Okay, hello, welcome to episode 185 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, I'm coming to you solo today because Bong ain't here. So, um, yeah, so I really wanted to do a draft episode, like talk about Chad, talk about Jabari, talk about Paolo, hey, talk about Shaden, talk about how maybe even Jade. But uh, he's not here, and it's kind of weird to. I don't. I just don't think it'd be that interesting for me to do a solo drafting. So I do want to wait till he comes back, and then we can kind of like bounce ideas off of each other. Because like I think this is one of those topics where I really feel, you know, Fong needs to be here. So um, we're uh, we're gonna record something probably later in the week. Probably actually probably not until next week because. Um, he's going to be even busy when he comes back. So, anyways, uh, that episode won't be coming uh, this week. It'll probably be next week. Until then, uh, just a little bit of a preview. Love me some Chet, man. If the Kings get the number one pick, that's who I'm going with. That's your preview. Okay. Well, um, what else can we talk about? Well, there's stuff that happened. Uh, the Kings have started their interviews. Nothing has come out about them. The only thing that's actually come out is more just... James Ham reporting stuff, Sam Amick reporting some stuff, and uh, yeah, we've gotten some more information uh, that honestly I didn't know where to find. There were, apparently were you know interviews you could see from Will Hardy, you could see from uh, Char- uh, was it Charles Lee and uh, Darvin Ham, fellow Ham. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, well actually no, James didn't mention that. But anyways, um, the coaching search. So so far. It, um, not, again, not, not much has come out. There's just been a lot of talk about uh, Charles Lee, specifically Charles Lee, uh, Darvin Ham, and uh, Will Hardy. Uh, specifically from the, the you know the Kings beat, meaning of James Ham, and kind of just the overall idea of like what the Kings should look for in a coach, and that the coach that we're looking for here has to be in for the long haul. You know, unfortunately, it came out just incredibly ages, but like the reason why Mike D'Antoni ain't gonna cut it is because, you know, he is 71 and like, is he gonna do this until he's 80? Like, or, you know, into his late 70s? We just don't know. And like, you know, if he if he's here for, to just stick around for like one contract, like, that ain't it. And of course, like most Kings coaches don't last <laughs> uh, until their end of their first contract anyway so you know the like the thing is the you know we want to finally be able to have some stability like fox talked about it like his next coach he just wants to wants him to be here for the long haul and that means he's gonna stay around for a bit and that's kind of the one of the main things you want to look for like they're gonna improve the team they're gonna get the most out of fox they're gonna get the most out of sabonis and the and the role players that at at his, at his disposal but the m- most important thing i think is that he sticks around and you know like you know you talk about like guys who are gonna stick around and maybe even grow with the team like you want to look young for the most part like will hardy like i think it was what 34 and like uh D- darvin ham i think is on the older end and i think charles lee is the middle um in terms of age i have the notes here i should have pulled it up damn it let's see Nope, that is the wrong. No, that's a, no, that's the correct doc. Okay, yeah, Will Hardy thirty-four, uh, Darvin Ham forty-eight, uh, Charles Lee thirty-seven. So these are the these are have these guys are have only been um, 
you know, assistance coaches so far. So, like, there's no real track record of, how, of you know, like, how well they've done as a head coach because they've never been a head coach. But from what I've heard from Ham, like, just listen to the podcast and listen to even Amick talk about him a little bit. Like, you know, all these guys, they come from a certain – they're all from the Popovich uh, uh, coaching tree and – you know, and also the other two, Darwin Ham and uh, Charles Lee, they're from the Boonholzer, which is he's Boonholzer is from the uh, Spurs tree. Like they have similar coaching styles, and apparent, and you know, one of the main things they talk about is the idea, or like you know, um, James Ham and Brandon Nunes talk about is the idea that these guys are honest, like Will Hardy, like especially they're honest. They they're culture setters, and that. You know, they demand a certain level of accountability and the Kings need that type of thing. Like they bring a certain level of skill and just uh, the ability to kind of create that environment. And, you know, on paper, that sounds great. The Kings need that kind of accountability. The Kings need that kind of structure. And this will be a great start to building it. However, my counter to that would be just it is the Kings. And that, you know, the Kings have no, been known to have, you know, no structure, if, if any. Like, they kind of let their stars kind of get away with a lot of bullshit, if you will. Like, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is um, Mar- Marvin Bagley last year. Like, that dude, you know, he didn't want to be here. He, he you know, he wanted, he wanted a fresh start. I don't blame him to a certain degree. But, like, for when he, in that first, uh, you know, in the, in my, in our best uh, wins of the season, we had a game against the Suns, where, which we ultimately lost. But that was, but it was, the Kings, you know, got absolutely beaten down by the Suns in the third quarter. But, and at that point, um, Luke had kind of waved, kind of waved the white flag, but more or less just put the, the complete bench in it. You're talking about Jemias Ramsey, you're talking about... Um, talking about Chemezi Metsu and Damian Jones, who had not played at that point. So he puts in those guys. And, you know, and then Marvin was supposed to be the fourth guy. But Marvin just decides to not play because, I guess, for the sake of his pride, you know, he just, like, he doesn't see himself as a, as a third unit player. Like, that, that kind of shit gets you probably waived in other, in other teams. Like, you do, you, do, you do that on the Spurs, you're done. Like that ain't that shit ain't gonna fly, and instead the Kings just kind of kind of let it happen. There was no real, at least there was no reported punishment. There was no nothing, and then that that's one that's one incident. But like you you think about like all the times that Buddy Heald was just played. Now we I will admit there were you know some games where he was helpful. Where honestly a lot of the things that happened when he was here as a King honestly wasn't like fully his fault but he did have a lot to do with it and you know he was a defensive liability there's no denying that and there were just sometimes you had to take you should have just taken him off the floor with all the bullshit that he does and instead like the organization like says well we got to play him to, for the sake of value we got to play him for the sake of adding spacing and doesn't matter what he does on defense he does this one thing that you know helps the team Again, on a good team, they're they're probably sitting his ass down for the most, for most likely. They're establishing the the idea that if you're not going to play defense, if you're going to be lackadaisical on that end, and then you're not really going to provide on the other end as well. Because Buddy, for uh, too many games, I felt just like 
he quote unquote provides spacing. Sure, that that pro- that probably is true. In fact, that in fact that is true. But like just the basketball IQ, the shot selection, the, the just at, like the inability to really handle the ball. Like he wasn't giving you much on offense anyway. So just sit his ass down. Play Terrence Davis when he was healthy. But instead, he just played for the sake for whatever reason, whether it's for you know keeping his value, blah blah blah. The the idea is that you know there, there is no accountability. He he's it doesn't matter how shit he plays. Doesn't matter how many defensive assignments he misses. Doesn't matter how bad he plays on offense and how he breaks off plays. He's going to keep playing. And in a in a good team under a good culture, that shit ain't gonna fly. So the the reason why I'm talking about that is. The Kings don't have that sort of culture. They don't like. They don't have it from up top. They. It's just not. It, it's been. It's been a recurring theme. Now, could that change with one of these guys that come in? Comes in like Darvin Ham is the most intriguing one in, in that aspect because he apparently is an enforcer. You know, he doesn't. He's one of those guys. Like you, <laughs> I kind of get the impression you just don't fuck with. Like that's a man. That's a man that commands respect. He is a leader. And you will listen to him. However, does it now? They talk about uh, James Ham like brings up the stories about like how you're not allowed to drink on the team plane when you're on the Bucks because that's part of their culture. And Darvin Ham is the guy that basically goes up to a guy and kind of tells him, "You ain't drinking on this plane." And you know, like he's the he's the enforcer. No, I'm using I'm using quotes right now. Does that work in Sacramento when, let's just say, Vivek maybe just steps in? Maybe someone from the front office, like maybe Ronnie just steps in. Hey, hey, it's, it's okay. They, they can drink on the plane. Like, I don't know if you know whoever comes in is going to establish that culture because there's gonna be weakness within the front office. Like they let Boogie get away with a lot of the crap that he used to do. And you know, like the, the infamous moment, like when the front office did not back George Carl, like and suspending him after, I believe I don't I forgot which game, but like you know they didn't they didn't back George Carl. Whether that was right or wrong, that you know that's up to you. But the idea that they didn't back the coach, like the coach just didn't have, you know, didn't have the juice to actually enforce a culture. And look, and you know, it, it's we got to see if like that's changed since then. But like, awesome. You know, a lot of signs don't point to the Kings changing that for the better in that aspect. And I don't know if, like, just a coach who you know has been an enforcer in a very good team culture and with with the Milwaukee Bucks is going to be able to you know put a stamp on the Kings when he doesn't have you know backing from up top. So you know, the the idea of like bringing in an enforcer and bringing in culture setters like Will Hardy, Charles Lee, um, Darvin Ham, like. It's it's really good on paper, but I ha- I have to see it to believe it. I guess um, as it stands right now, like those would be great choices. Um, you know, Steve Clifford, Steve Clifford. I I mean, I like the idea of him. I don't know what to make of him just because you know he he did get some very good results out of some you know let's let's be honest some subpar teams like the Kemba, you know the Kemba uh, Jeremy Lin team like that that wasn't exactly stacked with talent. I mean, they did have like, you know, a, a very good Al Jefferson and, you know, Jeremy Lin was really good that year. Kemba was like a rising star, but like, you know, those guys, none of, you wouldn't call any of them defenders and he made them play defense. Now that's intriguing. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it if they hired Steve Clifford. Same thing with Mike Brown. Like Mike Brown, I believe, you know, he's been a very good assistant coach uh, in Golden State, but it's really hard to measure that kind of stuff. Like, 
you hope that he's been a lot better since then. But like you know, as his past has shown, like you know, with, with without LeBron, his his results are a bit mixed. He had one good year with the Lakers, or was it two? I don't remember. It was either one or two years with the Lakers, and he, you know he did some good stuff. I think he's a good coach, but like he needs talent around him, and you know, you know. Uh, could he be the guy that can get through De'Aaron? Could he be the guy that, you know, Sabotis can work with? Like, that remains to be seen. You're taking, you're still taking a gamble. And, you know, like, just like with players, like, the it's probably better off to go with a vet who, quote-unquote, doesn't make the, you know, rookie mistakes, quote-unquote. But, like, you know, a lot of times, like, we always complain, like, why didn't Alvin just play, um, didn't play Kata? Like, let him, let him just develop. You're, you're probably gonna lose these games anyways. You might as well go down like with the young guy. Let, let, let the young guy show what, show you what, what he's got. Like, you know, Mike Brown would probably end up being the better choice. But like, let, you know, take, take a shot and take a shot and just, you know, get the young guy. Get the Will Hardy. Get the Darvin Ham. Although, is Mike Brown actually young? Just as old as Darvin Ham? I don't actually know. But like, go with the new guys. Go like, get a get. Get a uh, get a Darvin Ham, get a Charles Lee, get a Will Hardy. Like, you know, take a stab at it. And you might find something great. And like, you know, Will Hardy from like the clips that I saw like on the Kings B podcast, like he's got something. Like, it, it, it'll just remain to be seen. You got to take that gamble, I think. And you know, this coach will be like, he, he's got to be the the guy, if you will. So. We'll see. We'll see what happens going forward. I'm very interested. We'll definitely keep an eye. Maybe we get a head coach uh, before we even know it, before even the draft, even possibly. So, all right. Um, just want to quickly go through some of my notes um, that I just got from some podcasts, but particularly uh, Amic on Deuce and Mo and you know Kings. Um, well, basically James Ham on ESPN thirteen twenty and the Kings beat. Um, so Amix says that defense is the focus of this coaching search. So that adds a little, little feel to the fire for the Steve Clifford. Like again, Darvin Ham, Charles Lee, um, Will Hardy. We just don't know. Like, you know, I don't know if they would, uh, I don't know if they would qualify for that, um, that qualification. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Apparently, uh, also Amix talked about how the front office was actually on thin ice before the trade deadline. And Ham had, had talked about it, that he, you know, Monty likely would have been fired had he not gotten some bonus. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that Monty, you know, was able to stay. Like, uh, Deuce even, like, talked about, you know, he might be on the last year of his contract for all we know, just because it was never, it never seemed to be public what kind of contract he was signed to. I hope in the same way that this coach is, this next coach needs to be the one that stays around, Monty needs to stick around. Like, he just needs to. You need a front office or a general manager that is aligned with the head coach, you know, for the foreseeable future. Like, do not do anything stupid, please. With that, don't do anything stupid. Um, and apparently, you know, those trades, the Sabonis trade and the Vincenzo trade, has kind of rejuvenated the confidence in the front office. So hopefully that stays. And you know, even if we start out bad last year or next year, I hope we stay the course. But because we now have examples of the Pelicans figuring it out. And of course, the best example, Boston figuring it out and just being able to build upon it and build something for the future. Because the worst thing you can do right now is to reset again and just start from scratch. Because as like KC and them have talked about it, like you don't make the playoffs this upcoming year. Chances are you're not making it for the next few. 
and like something might have gone very wrong and that's not good you know you're likely to lose a bonus in, in that instance you know, this actually brings me back like to, to one point where it like we talk about like you know willie green and the pelicans figuring out we talk about Ime Ujoka uh figuring out with the celtics it does bring me back which is uh, just so unfortunate thinking about it right now because i don't even think this is this is the king's fault but in, before the pandemic it looked like the kings were figuring out with lou walton because they had gone i believe 13 and 7 or 13 and 8 in their last what 2021 games and they were a defensive team that you know started figuring you know just how to play together they still had very kingsy moments i remember the wizards game like before the like where I think they got like a 20 plus point lead and somehow blew it and almost got beaten by the Wizards. But like, you know, they were starting to figure out they were playing defense and you know, they, they the last game they played, they lost to the Raptors, but it was a close, close game. Now, and you know, Lord knows what, what would have happened in the next the Pelicans game because at that point we were tied in the standings and you know, that game could have decided like, you know, which team was going to make the playoffs that year. And you know, I don't know if, like, Memphis would have completely fallen off a cliff, but, like, the Portland was, like, dealing with injuries. I think Nurkish was about to come back, but, like, you know, he's not going to, he wasn't going to be 100%. And then, like, uh, you know, had we beaten the Pelicans, we would have gone one game up. And, like, Memphis had a really tough schedule and they just lost Jaron Jackson. So, like, Lord knows, we might have made the playoffs that year for, for all we know. And, again, the Kings were figuring it out under Luke Wallen. And unfortunately, the pandemic hit. The Kings just did not carry any momentum into the bubble. Like, only De'Aaron and Bogey, and even though Bogey, I remember, had a really bad game against uh, the Mavs, but, like, nobody except for De'Aaron came, came to play. And, like, they, they also had, like, COVID and stuff like that. It was a, it was a mess. Rashawn got, got, what, put into health and safety protocols for 10 days. Like, there was a bunch of stupid, stupid stuff that happened. And, you know, you never know, like, again, stay the course just find a way to just stick to something and you know just hope it works out do not do anything impulsive is my point um james ham talked about uh so he he, he uh, kind of i guess enlightened uh he kind of revealed that the kings so a lot of people were kind of like scratching their heads of why kenny atkinson wasn't on the list like oh was he not interested but apparently um james ham has I guess semi-reported or at least he's like talked about it on uh, ESPN 1320 is that the Kings did their due diligence they they kind of like you know um I guess called around to uh, like just a bunch of candidates and they ultimately came up with a list of seven candidates and Kenny Atkinson simply wasn't on that list um that we don't know what kept him off that list but the, the point is uh Kings did their due diligence and coming up with this coming up with this list of coaches and we just have to trust their process and again we'll see what happens by the end of it i'm very optimistic right now and of course that's very dangerous when it comes to the kings but you know i'm an optimistic person and i like to just be you know just like you know we like let, let's be honest we love this team and we want this team to do well for the sake of our mental health our our, our mental health and yeah let, let's just hope for the best i, I don't want to be cynical this even though it's probably better off to be a little cynical but you know like it's better to be positive sometimes you know what i mean um so uh ultimately my thoughts uh i'm loving what i'm hearing about um uh, will hardy like, i'm i would be, i would love if that was the hire i would also love darwin ham or charles lee and then like mike brown like mike brown cool um steve clifford cool 
Mike D'Antoni, again, it's not... I'm trying to try and be ageist, but, like, the, the fact that he is 71, I'm, I'm not saying, like, he can't do his job. But, like, you know... And I think he would, be, he would actually be great is for, the, for, like, one year or so. But, like, the idea, he is, get, he is getting up there in age, and, like, we don't know if he's going to stick around for a long time. Like, is he going to, you know, again, coach till he's 78? I just don't see it. And that's would be why I would be very cautious about hiring Mike D'Antoni, even though, like, you know, he probably is the best coach out of all of this, you know? Like, there's no doubt about that. And, yeah, Mark Jackson is just controversial, but, like, let's not forget, he is a good coach. And that shouldn't be... Like, he, he'll, he'll probably limit the ceiling because his offensive stuff was not good, but, like, he did establish a defense with pretty good talent for the most part and with those young warriors but like those young warriors you know they don't know what the hell they were doing and he kind of put them in the right direction and he should get credit for that but like all the off the court stuff the personality stuff like i just don't see it it's just, he, he's a controversial one i don't see it happening anyways because the vet can't be this dumb because the vet what was there and with the warriors when the mark jackson stuff was happening so he's got inside knowledge about this stuff like the fact that he's on the list is actually very surprising and everyone has said that and you know who knows like i wouldn't be the i wouldn't like it but you know maybe he could put us in the right direction for all we know Okay, um, to close out um, this episode, I just want to quickly talk about, you know, an update to the playoffs. Stuff has happened, right? And uh, it's a doozy. All right, so let, let, let's start Let's start with the big one. Celtics sweep the Nets. Wow. I forgot what I picked originally. I wanted to say, I think, Nets in six or something like that. But man, the Nets look bad all series. And, you know, credit to the Celtics for just playing absolutely amazing defense. Like, I'm, again, I was not a fan of Jason Tatum for some some odd reason. I guess Big big Waz from the Brainer just, I guess, ruined him for me. But Tatum is good. Like, you know, he he can get buckets on just about anyone. Like, and the fact that he, you know, the fact that he can get buckets on anyone, like, that's what I always thought he was, like, an inefficient chucker, you know, in a way. But at the same time, like, I did not know he could play defense like that. He guarded, like, Kevin Durant for most of the series and, like, just put him in a straitjacket. He really did. And, like, you don't see that, like, with Kevin Durant. And the fact that he was able to do that is just, oh, that's incredible, man. So, yeah, all the credit in the world to him. Like, he is ascending to the super, superstar levels. Like, do, am I going to put him on Durant's level? Probably not. But he's, like, he's right there. If he is able to get to, like, the West, the Eastern Conference Finals, like, again, or possibly get to the, you know, NBA Finals, as long as he doesn't fuck up somehow uh, on the on the way. Like, he's he's there. He's there. He's just, he's just that n- little nudge to get to, you know, tier one, tier one superstar. And I didn't think, I didn't think he had it with, you know, but... I mean, he's proven me wrong. So, you know, congratulations to you, Jason Tatum. And Jalen Brown ain't no scrub. And, like, he he's, like, a perfect, you know, compliment to um, Jason Tatum. And, you know, like, I mean, it was... I always thought it was silly that, like, that Jalen Brown was going to be on the training, t- on the training block. 
Because, like, the idea was, the issue with them was that they never really had a point guard to kind of put it all together. It's, it's the same issue that Paul George and Kawhi ran into in the, in the Clippers, where you have two amazing wing, wing scorers, and also, like, you know, two really good wing defenders. Again, I didn't know Tatum to play this level of defense, but, like, they just didn't have a point guard to connect them. And apparently Marcus Smart has turned into that guy. I mean, granted, I still don't really trust him with a shot, I'm not going to lie or like him to make the perfect decision, but he's been great thus far. And, you know, credit to that team for fine, just finding a way to play incredible team defense and like using that defense to kind of like get, you know, turn it into offense. And yeah, the Nets just couldn't get a stop like at the end of game four. Like they were scoring like crazy, but like they just couldn't, just couldn't get a stop on the Celtics. And, you know, again, credit, all the credit in the world to the Celtics. They look like finals contenders. They look like they could win it this year. And uh, crash, I mean, I wouldn't have said that. Like, I thought they, I thought they were mentally like last year. They were a pretty mentally fragile team for the most part, just because there's something off about them. I, that's why I was like kind of an advocate for them to trade Smart because I thought he was part of the problem in terms of like a certain, a certain level, a certain vibe in the locker room. Like, just trade him for a point guard, just something. But you know, he's one defensive player of the year now. Like. And uh, yeah, again, just a good, a really good, you know, being that point guard that they've been missing. So again, congratulations to the Celtics. I don't know what the hell the Nets do. Like the Kyrie Irving situation, like, like logically, you gotta just cut bait on him. Maybe like sign a trade him somewhere. But like, you're probably not getting that because he wants to stay with the Nets. But like at the same time, you don't really want to sign him. But you don't really have an option because you lose that cap space if you don't resign him. But like. They're in a they're in a bit of a pickle, and like a lot of the issues you can point to you can point to Kyrie, like the Harden bullshit, like that started with Kyrie not getting the back shot, and you know, again, whatever you think of like his beliefs about the backs or whatever whatever he represents, you, you never I never like I I, ne- I always said like it was a selfish ass thing to do as a teammate, like you are you are basically not playing, putting more of a burden on your teammates to you know to it. You know to perform better in your absence and it's for something that you know i personally don't agree with and and yeah it was like you know however you want to break it down it was a selfish ass thing to do and it kind of cost the cost them the season in a way and the grant and we'll get to the other guy but like you know not and then he and then he goes like at the end of the press conference saying like oh they didn't have time to gel well, who the, whose fucking fault was that like you know you didn't you didn't fucking play and yeah, you're now you're sitting here just saying like, well, you know, there's nothing good. Like the vibe he 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 you know he exerted was like, oh, there's nothing that could have been done. Like you know, we just didn't have time. But like, yeah, it's a mess, and we'll we'll see. Yeah, ha- having to pay, I don't know which one is gonna be worse, him paying him for 240 million or paying Harden 250 million. Probably probably Harden just because Kyrie is still good. Like that that's what's lost in all this, but he wasn't a great this series. But Kyrie is incredible, like in, in moments. And literally can't win you a championship, uh, you know, as as shown during 2016. But just the personality stuff like there and like the fact that KD has been you know been really supportive of him, you know, good for him. But it's it's be it's kind of sings to me like this is gonna fall apart at some point. Something is gonna blow over between the two of them, and 
Yeah, uh, I mean, K- KD, this is what you picked. You had, like, the best superstar to ever play with and Steph Curry, who, you know, want, wanted to hand the keys to you. Like, he was willing to take a back seat, and you just said, bye. I mean, like, you, you, re- you, what's up? You reek what you wrought. I, I don't. I don't know the saying, but like this, you you chose this life, and now you're now you're paying the price for it. It is what it is. Um, let's uh, let's quickly talk about Ben Simmons. Look, I, I didn't think he was going to come back anyways, but I was surprised there was as much kind of backlash, I guess, to a certain degree that he didn't play. Like, I don't know why. I, I don't know why anybody was expecting him to play. Because I just thought it was kind of pointless because, like, again, a back injury just isn't anything to play with. Like, you know, I, not using myself as an example, but, like, I played it with a little bit of, like, I tweaked my back and it was hard to move. And, like, you know, it was it was just hard. It was just hard, like, to, again. And the fact that, like, Ben Simmons is going to come back after not playing an entire year, like a, an, an NBA basketball game for an entire year, and just jump straight into the playoffs with a back injury that... You know, very likely could get you know reaggravated. I just never thought it made sense for him to play, and yeah, he didn't. But like you know, the Shams report that came out on the Athletic like talked about how his teammates were very disappointed in him. It just felt like he didn't try hard enough to come back. And I'm not gonna say like I'm uh, we dodged the the Kings dodge a bullet by not trading for him. Like I still think he's a really good player, but like the mental stuff with him. <laughs> But like the, you know, the, the reports of him just not being that hard of a worker just look, it, it's it's a mess. And you know, Simmons, like from what I like, what I'm reading about him and talking about how he has like a great basketball IQ, he does. But at the same time, like this ain't the time for it, man. Focus on getting right. Focus on being a good teammate. Focus on like just adding to your game and just be you know being able to confront your fears. You're like you're such a you're such a pussy like you just can't like face the noise and just like you know in the face of adversity come through in a way um you know again like this many years and just like i'm not saying for him to turn into steph curry or anything but at least the fact that he didn't even shoot any threes and you hear the reports is probably because like he just doesn't think this you know breaking shots is cool and like you know who gives a shit like look at Giannis he it's never pretty when he shoots but like he, you can see him trying and like all we ask for you is to try to look like you're winning but you can't even do that and you know if it is true it's just because of like he's self-conscious like yeah you're a fucking pussy <laughs> I'm sorry but anyways but yeah I, I always thought it didn't make sense for him to come back and it, you know like hopefully he gets his mind right if it is a mental health issue look we have we have reasons to almost doubt him to be truthful because like let's be honest he lied let's say the the mental health stuff in philly i'm sorry just felt like bullshit because he did try to like you know actually work with the 76ers on coming back that was never an option for him like if he he was actually like you know suffering from mental health issues like probably should have been like you know actually looking to come back at some point like have the you know work with the 76ers address those issues but he didn't and it just looked like he just wanted to get out of there you know, use it as an excuse to get money, and you know, yeah, it's it's not it's not a great look for him. Um, but we'll see what happens next year. Hopefully, he gets his mind right. Like honestly, um, he is he is a good player. People tend to forget that. But like the personal stuff, the lack of self awareness from him, like, and then the lack of self awareness from Kyrie, 
and to a certain degree, I feel like Ky- I feel like Kevin Durant has kind of evolved a little bit, but like he's still he's still got some some some's a, some's a still a little he, he really should be chirping at people on, on Twitter. Stop wasting your time on there. What are you doing? Like, oh man, that is that is a very weird situation to say the least. We'll see how it goes next year. Okay, um, seventy. Well, and uh, related to seventy sixers, um, got got a three zero lead, and we thought it was gonna be over in game four. It came out kind of flat in game four. Well, like you know, it's more of the Raptors came out strong in game four and just wouldn't go away, and they ended up like winning that game um, down the stretch. Game five, seventy sixers just came out flat, and the, the the Raptors took advantage, and now like. Eh, like 76 fans shaking a little bit in their boots like are they actually gonna somehow blow a 3-0 lead like James Harden ain't playing well Joe Embiid has a has a has a bad finger Matisse Thibel can't play in Toronto so he's not gonna be there in game six and then Tyrese Maxey's cooled down a little bit and then you have Doc Rivers at the helm even though like I do feel bad for Doc to some degree because it is a weird roster to a certain degree like Joel's always hurt you know, James Harden has had his, you know, like playoff failures and the rest of the team, like they're just not good and they're just very mad players. Like it's not all on Doc, but it, a lot of it should be on Doc. All these things kind of combine together to be possibly be the first time someone has lost the 3 lead. Is it, would it be the first time? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the, someone's to lose a 3-0 lead. Like the perfect storm could happen and... Yeah, talk about an interesting summer in that case. Like, are you going to give James Harden the Supermax <laughs> at the end of that? And that's going to be a shitstorm waiting to happen. Um, what's, a, what's another thing I want to quickly talk about? Oh, yeah, Denver-Golden State. So, Golden State has beaten Denver. Um, I am recording this basically, you know, about 20 minutes after the game. So, you know, like, the Nuggets put up a fight. Um... And the Warriors were just, you know, like they exploited a lot of their weaknesses, you know, being that their their two centers just not really very exploitable, especially for the Warriors on defense. And they kind of exploited them. Granted, like Boogie was really good this game. Like he, like he made the most out of his opportunity. And all the credit in the world to him. Like coming back from so many injuries, he's still just really, really, really big. And he knows how to like take advantage like of just the opportunities he's given like 19 points, like just bullying guys like down low. So like all the credit in the world to him. Um, and yeah, and you know, Jokic just big, but like the Warriors defense, it's so just like the team defense is amazing, anchored by you know one of the best defenders of this gen- of this like era, like Draymond Green. Like they they really play for each other and just like the like openings that are you normal openings like say for the king's defense that that you know they open up like an opportunity for the uh, offense to exploit just get closed up so fast because like draymond is in the right position every time you know using his arms and hands to pressure and just the perfect position just incredible the fact that he's able to guard Jokic and like even in single coverage and like with double teams it's it's incredible how they're able to do it and yeah good you know warriors advance you know We'll see what the Nuggets turn into uh, next year with Michael Porter and Jamal Murray back. Like, I don't know if this, like, I, theoretically, it'll be it's that's an incredible like starting lineup. Like, you know, Gordon was it uh, Murray, 
who would be their shooting guard? Probably Barton, probably. Um, yeah, like, uh, yeah, but Murray, Barton, uh, Aaron Gordon, MPJ, and then Jokic. That's a really deadly lineup. I don't know if that's a really. I, I just, I'm just not a real believer that it's gonna be amazing. But like at the same time, like you know what, offense rules the day. Like that might be an absolutely, that might be a championship contending starting lineup, and they have they have a good amount of depth. And you know, Demarcus has played himself into a backup uh, big role. Like he's he was great for this uh, Nuggets team. But and then like you can push down like Aaron Gordon into being like a fourth option, which is really or fourth or fifth option, which which is what he really is. Like he had some really bad moments on the offense, and it's unfortunate. He is not his role, and he unfortunately, like the Warriors are more than willing to kind of like you know feed the ball to him to a certain degree, like and just let him let him do whatever the hell he wants on offense. And, you know, put, pushing into a fourth or fifth option that that would be good for him. And yeah, like that—that's a very dangerous uh, team going into next year, and we'll see what they turn into. Um, yeah, um, that's basically all I really want to talk. I mean, like Miami, Miami, like you know, four-one against the Hawks, shut down Trey Young, really impressive stuff. Uh, Milwaukee just beat the Bulls. Like that was kind of—I—I I don't have much to say about it. Like, make, like maybe we like the the Bucks were gonna have trouble without Chris Middleton. They were fine. Um, Pelicans, uh, you know, go up 3-2 against the, uh, or no, Suns go up 3-2 against the Pelicans with a, with a possibility for, uh, Devin Booker to return in game six. And yeah, like that, that series is probably over, but all the credit in the world to the, uh, to the, uh, Pelicans, like, you know, they, they had a horrible start to the, to the year. Like they had a bunch of injuries and Zion, whatever the hell was up with him, like broken foot and just... And then just never played the entire season. Like, just, you know, they had so many excuses to just lie down and tank for the year. But instead, they fought strong, had a great second half, traded for CJ McCollum, made the made the play-in tournament, made it through the play-in and into the playoffs. And now you're now they're like they were like legitimately pushing the Suns to the brink. Like they were putting up a fight even before like Devin Booker went down. Like they were putting up a fight and kind of, you know, make make them think twice, essentially. Like you know, credit in the world to him and, like, all this development that, like, they're gonna get, like, is gonna carry into next year. And again, like, if the Kings really have to do things right, if they're, if they want to be able to compete next year for a playoff spot, because it's gonna be very competitive around that play-in, that 7-10 to 10 range. Like, with the Pelicans, you know, with the Denver coming back to full strength, uh, what's another team? Like, Timberwolves? Like, they're gonna be good, and it's gonna be tough to sneak into that race right there so we'll, we'll see what happens uh quickly talk about Gri- grizzlies versus uh you know uh timberwolves i'm sorry like cat just isn't that guy like granted he has some very good moments and like man he like jaron jackson looked like the bad version of cat in game five to like what fouled on 12 minutes or something let me check check real quick that was yesterday so it'd be tuesday Yeah, play 18 minutes. Like, Jesus Christ, and fouled out. Like, dumbass, basically, is all I have to say. Like, just, you know, um, but back to Carl Anthony Towns. Like, the, the, the issue I have with him, like, I don't really have much of an issue with him on offense. Although, granted, like, he, you know, you had Dylan Brooks guarding you, and you're seven feet tall, and you're going to shoot threes. That's a disservice, man. You got it. He made, he made, like, a huge one, like, late. 
But like you gotta go down the post and just you know get get the get the double team, pass it to the open man, and just create from there. Like he has to be like more assertive. Like you look at a guy like Anthony Edwards, that guy is assertive. Like that dude thinks he's the best fucking player on there, and he and he plays like it. And then like you have like D'Angelo Russell who shit who thinks he's the who thinks he's the shit, but he isn't. So like you know it has Carl Anthony Towns has to step up a little bit I think just be like command the ball like when you have you know six four Dylan Brooks on you whatever like just you got to be more assertive and then on defense like that final possession like you know Jog is an open lane like Jared Vanderbilt is there to kind of contest but like I'm looking I I hate that I'm doing this but I'm looking at Cat like you're at the three-point line guarding Kyle Anderson who's 30 feet just 30 feet away at the 40 point line like way beyond the arc what are you doing like you, you gotta help you gotta help on that drive and granted that would have been a tough like you know Draymond probably would be like a person that probably makes that or makes that rotation but like it's asking a lot but like you're going to Kyle Anderson and he's way beyond the three point line crash it crash into like just run in there and try and get a block pressure the shot somehow but yeah just my eyes just always gravitate to Cat it's just what are you doing, bro? But yeah, great game. Like, I know, like, the basketball nerds will say, like, this was a very stupid game. Like, the, the, like, the two teams, like, they're young. They just make a bunch of mistakes. And, like, that, they're not they're not ready to win just yet. But, hey, like, at least the great moments. Like, that, that three to tie by Anthony Edwards was amazing. Again, that guy has balls. Like, he is, he thinks he's the best player on the court. And he's, and he's good enough to back it up. Like, and I really enjoy him. D'Angelo Russell, like, they again, like, you you had Cat being guarded by Dylan Brooks. Get the ball to him. Do not. And then you don't get, you know, jaw guarding you instead. And then you go up against, I think it was Desmond Bain, who plays good defense on you, and you throw the shot off the backboard. Like, you're not that guy, man. Like, stop it. Just stop it. You know? Um, overall, fun team like Ja, and, you know, has basically ascended to superstardom. You know, you can have your opinions on him winning most improved player. I think I I don't hate it. I mean, granted, like let's be honest, like no one really cares about the most improved. Like let's not freak out about something like just essentially, you know, freak out about something for the sake of freaking out about something. But like, you know, I I was kind of an advocate for like Luca to win in his second year because he went from you know pretty decent player to like superstar. Like that that kind of growth is really really rare and really really hard to be able to you know to be able to obtain and he was able to do it so like i think that's actually harder than going from like five points to say 20 points to being like a 20 point score i think yeah going from a 20 point score to a 28 point score is much harder and i think that should be recognized and you know this year they recognized that but you know i I know like a lot of people were calling for desmond bain to win it i get it but like i I don't hate the jaw the job winning one winning the most improved so and good for him and yeah he, he is an absolute superstar you know really wish you know De'Aaron De'Aaron was at that level and you know he still could be for all we know um so we'll see Jesus Christ Dylan Brooks 3 for 18 what the fuck yeah that man don't shoot too much like grants grants it like shooter shoot but he's not really a shooter <laughs> but whatever it, okay anyways um yeah that's all I have for uh, this episode um the next episode, I don't know if I'm going to do one before Fong comes back, but like, you know, if something does happen, we do hire a coach right away. You know, I got to hop on. <laughs> um, 
but but you know and you know in other cases maybe some maybe i'll have find out uh, other topics to come up with uh, to talk about i mean i came up with this pretty last minute so you know you never know but yes uh, the guarantee next episode or like the episode that will be coming up will be the draft episode and we will be talking about the top three picks and possibly some shane sharp um, in there too so yeah until then uh thank you for listening to me just ramble about basketball and yeah enjoy your night uh it is nighttime over here so yeah everybody have a have a good night and if you know if you're in a different time zone you know have a good evening have a good night and uh i'll catch you guys back on the next one